88.1 in Berkeley, 89.3 KPFB in Berkeley, and 88.1 KFCF in Fresno. Happy ending, nice and tidy. It's a rule I learned in school. Get your money every Friday. Happy endings are the rule. So divide up those in darkness from the ones who walk in light. Light them up, boys. There's your picture. Drop the shadows. This is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw, and it's International Women's Day, so of course I brought in everything but the kitchen sink. I never bring the kitchen sink. What was it? Mort Saul used to say, a woman's place is in the stove, right? (laughs) Anyway... Here we go. I'm looking at my own work here. The Examined Life, written by Jennifer Stone. I sometimes regret that the man I love the most was not a good or particularly admirable person. I should have loved the best, the most. It would have made me seem a better person. But I didn't, and I'm not. (laughs) Today is March the 8th. 2011, and we're still here, folks. Yes, uh, it's International Women's Day. Bitch, bitch, bitch. Is that all we get a day? I'm bitching. I love to bitch. The, uh, 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 the show, what was it? Laverne and Shirley, a hundred years ago. They used to say, is that all we get, Laverne, a day? I sometimes think, what would happen if women really, really, truly got one whole day to do it our way. Now, just think about that for a minute. Just think what would happen if all the male stream media were to be taken over by women. You know, uh, just uh, uh, imagine 24 hours. I was thinking years ago, the women used to take over the radio station here and we would ask the guys, you know, just to split for the day. Actually, I think sometimes we let them run the machines. I'm for that, you know. I, I'm kind of lazy. I kind of like all that tech stuff they do. But, um, you know, we used to lock out the guys. I was thinking if we did that in today's world, they'd probably send the police. Everything's so fraught now with, no, oh well, nobody's, nobody's having any fun. Uh, I just figure this is the day we get to wave a feminist fist in the air. Although I'm sure we'll get a few letters telling us that we're a headache. No, I think of the great German writer Goethe, yes. Uh, He wrote, The eternal feminine leads us on. Trying to explain the feminine principle. (laughs) Say to a room full of adolescent males, that is a pretty hard one, boys and girls. Uh... Because it's not just about women's rights. Uh, it's all about the creative principle. Um, I don't know, it's so hard. The other day I was trying to write something about 
the women of my mother's generation and how they said that it was better to keep their influence, that they had more influence when they didn't have the vote. Then they turned around and said, no, we need rights. I don't think it's either or. I think when you have rights, you also have a lot of influence on what's going down. Anyway, this feminine creative principle is available to everyone, to certainly to men, to children, and even to women. This stuff goes so far back, it's primal, it's the ancient religion, uh, uh, nature worship, if you want to uh, simplify or be reductionist, you know, uh, passionate pagan principles, uh, and I know it's easier to to just um, speak of the mother thing, you know, matrilineal cultures, math, matrilineal mythology, uh, mother right. See that that's the thing that uh, the the ancient Irish Celtic laws, the Brehan laws, were perfect. They they understood that there's no such thing as an illegitimate child. You got that. Uh, my mother used to talk about, uh, she would say, a natural child, meaning that the uh, mother of the child was not married. The child did not have uh, a name other than its mother's name. It took its mother's name. Now, I had to laugh at the Oscars this year. There was a big fuss. I didn't know that Natalie Portman um, was not married, and she's quite pregnant. And uh, there she was getting an Oscar, unmarried. Seems it was an issue. I I thought that stuff ended years ago. I think in the eighties with uh, who was that? Candace Bergman. Candace Bergen. Uh, what was it? She did a show called Murphy Brown, right? And Dan Quayle was upset because a major uh, figure on television sitcoms was having a baby without a, a husband. Uh, now. I don't know, I guess, what is it? I always thought that some things once learned could never be unlearned, but I was wrong about that. See Margaret Atwood's novel, The Handmaid's Tale, in which she she, she color codes women. I like that. It's very easy to use that little book to teach because, you know, it shows you how the the women are classified, you know. Women as a class are kind of hard to pin down because they are usually associated with the males with whom they hang out or with whom they find favor, you know. It's so hard to explain that women are workers and that the labor movement uh, has a lot to do with our rights, with our freedom. Uh, But mostly it's this basic, basic problem of Who do we belong to? Is a child the property of its father? That's called patriarchy, right? Uh, Actually, in many cultures, the woman herself uh, has a designated owner. You know, whether father, husband, um, what is that, priest, lover, son, something. Uh, It's curious that we live in an age when this female principle is both expanding, we're studying it, everybody's interested, well, some people are interested in it. Check out a book called The Women's Encyclopedia of Myths and Secrets by Barbara Walker. It's about a $20 paperback. That's the initial uh, reference book I like to use for, uh, what is that, uh, definition of terms. Yes, define your terms, girls. Uh, 
so much suffering now, so much uh, backlash to women's efforts to get their heads above water. Now, splash, back down they go. Check out the Congo. God. We know that more women are doing more stuff everywhere. More women are also taking more punishment for their uppity behavior. You know, the honor killings. Uh, my cliche or my mantra is the, the notion that this war on women, uh, when I was growing up, it was kind of a state of siege. It now seems to be mushrooming into a reign of terror many parts of the world. I, I'm not sure. Maybe it was that way when I was growing up. We just didn't hear about it. I had a letter from a listener about uh, the Egyptian writer Nawal el-Sadawe, and I recommended her book, The Hidden Face of Eve. That's the one about female genital mutilation, the the tragedy uh, in Egypt. Anyway, Nawal el-Sadawe, you can find her work in any bookstore. Check it out online. Uh, she seems to be turning up on the radio here and there. She's 80, and she's my, what is it, my uh, designated grandmother of the year. I wish she'd come back here to Berkeley so we could talk with her. Uh, I've come to the clumsy conclusion that things are not going to change much until fathers love their children more than they hate their enemies. Now, I have to think about that one for a minute because uh, most men would assure you that they care more for their children, that they would give their lives for their children, and so on and so forth. But especially when you check out this father-son thing, it's a little bit of a mystery, isn't it? Um, if men, males, fathers, really cared about their kids and maybe about everybody else's kids, what would they do? How would they treat women? I asked a uh, psychiatrist all about that one time and I said do you think that we could evolve uh, that our species could learn uh, and that we could be parents fathers all fathers parents to all children you know that it takes a village to raise a child etc and he said that I was living uh, in a dream world and that that was a lot of nonsense anyway we know that in both the males and the females, the feminine principle is always present. It's that piece of us which cherishes and nurtures, you know. Uh, I think one of the uh, recent books, how do they put it? They say, it's what allows the children to thrive, you know, to grow and be beautiful, uh, as Charlotte Bronte once wrote, nothing refines like affection. Yes, affection. Uh, I was thinking the other day that uh, uh, these Victorian sentiments are making a comeback. Uh, was it Elizabeth Barrett Browning? I carried this quote around with me in college. She said, uh, 
She said, uh, do you, do you hear? Do you hear the children crying, oh, my brothers? Was that weeping? Right. Do you hear the children weeping, oh, my brothers, ere the sorrow comes with years? They are leaning their young heads against their mothers, and that cannot stop their tears. I found that a bitter pill when I realized that uh, there wasn't too much I could do. I remember once a policeman bringing one of my sons home when he was, uh, oh, about 13, something, saying he'd been caught smoking a cigarette, I think it was the, the issue. Anyway, I had to explain to my small son that I was not in the position to protect him from the cops. <laughs> they, they were... They were the boss of it. Anyway, yes, Victorian sentiments, maybe, maybe, maybe. Uh, last week, I was reading the old um, poems. Algernon Swinburne has a wonderful poem about an ancient Germanic earth goddess. He calls, uh, I think this is probably a myth, name in the myths, H-E-R-T-H-A, Hertha. Ancient Germanic Earth Goddess, a kind of essentialist, um, the essence of humanity being, uh, yes, love and the social cohesion that allows our species to endure, to last. Uh, here it is. Here is Algernon Swinburne back in the 19th century. He's speaking in the voice of this ancient Germanic Earth Goddess. I am that which began. Out of me the years roll. Out of me, God and man. I am equal and whole. God changes and man and the form of them bodily. I am the soul before ever land was, before ever the sea or the soft Hair of the grass, or fair limbs of the tree, or the flesh-colored fruit of my branches, I was, and thy soul was in me. Before God was, I am. Now, uh, no wonder Algernon Swinburne uh, went mad, uh, actually. I don't think they put him in the bug house. He had to be taken care of by friends, but he was a rather painfully uh, high-strung poet. Uh, in any case, years and years ago, back in, oh, I guess, 70s and 80s, in, I guess, the first wave of feminism, this century's feminism, uh, we kept rewriting the old texts. I love to rewrite the old poems. I have too many of them here. It gets kind of tiresome, doesn't it? Uh, Elizabeth Cady Stanton, one of our great foremothers, she rewrote the Bible all over the place. I love that stuff. Uh, I'm looking here to see what I rewrote. I rewrote Deuteronomy, chapter 5, verses 3 through 5, an update. Oh, good Lord. The last time I tried reading this, the rhythm and the style of the 
old King James Bible is so profound that people don't even hear the changes in the meaning of the words. They just hear the rhythms of the words, you see. And when I write something like this, uh, let's see, it just sounds like the guys here. It is, I am the woman thyself which brought thee out of the land of the patriarchs from the house of bondage. Thou shalt have none other than love for me, and thou shalt not bow down thyself unto men, nor serve them. For I, the woman thyself, am a wise woman, visiting the nurturing of the mothers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that I love, and showing affection unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments, thou shalt not take the name of the woman thyself in vain. For the woman will not hold him guiltless that taketh her name in vain. Keep thy loving way to sanctify it as the woman thyself hath commanded thee. See what I mean? It already <laughs> sounds like the guys, and it's just it's just a, a feminist version of the old uh, the old biblical uh, Ten Commandments. I'm looking here to see. I couldn't decide this morning. I wanted to do something today that would cheer us up because, as I said, uh, things have become a little grim, just a little grim. Uh, the, what is it, the worldwide situation, the global situation seems to be darkening where women are concerned, whether or not you think this is from overpopulation or lack of resources, blah, blah, blah. It's obvious that when things get rough, women get roughed up. We know this. Uh, you know, the more people are out of a job, the more women get a black eye, uh, I looked through all my stuff about myth and so forth, and then I tried looking at the laws, and uh, I looked at uh, that little book, Oh, The Mists of Avalon, by Marion Zimmer Bradley, back when the King Arthur legend, you remember back, uh, halfway back to Christ, all the myths, uh, the author of The Mists of Avalon, Marion Zimmer Bradley, she gives us... Uh, transmogrified version of those myths gave me infinite sadness to read all that Celtic twilight and Irish mysticism you know the whole notion that there was a time there was a day long long ago when um, when women uh, not ruled but when women were the source of wisdom let me put it this way when women were listened to I have noticed that one of the strangest things about our culture is that women are not listened to. Once in a while, somebody listens to Hillary Clinton and then they get very cross. <laughs> a friend of mine the other day said that she hadn't listened to Cape Fay for a long time because we had not been sympathetic to Hillary Clinton. I can't remember. I tried to pin down what particular... Uh, what she was referring to, and I, I couldn't. Um, anyway, I found a piece that dates from, oh, I guess the, uh, I guess the 80s, something I wrote called That Patriarch Patrick. Uh, starts with a line from Gertrude Stein, an Irish lady can say that today is every day 
Okay. I'm using that for today's International Women's Day. Today is every day. Every day is Women's Day and uh, no bones about it. I I love the uh, essay I've read on KPFA here about the Iroquois women here in the so-called New World. They showed so many of the European women who came to these shores centuries ago. They showed them how to uh, teach the young men, the uh, adolescent boys, how to revere their mothers, you know, how to make tea. (laughs) Yes. Uh, It was all about that stone, the stone of scone symbolizes the the notion that there is a woman behind the throne always. Uh, All the pictures and icons show you that there is a woman speaking uh, through the him, the he, uh, it's Haga Sophia. Sophia is the wisdom of God that is uh, her brain speaking through his voice. Uh, Anyway, just for fun, let me read you a couple paragraphs about an Irish pal of mine that I, I used to go and ask her for advice. <laughs> she was my last drinking pal. Her name was Sally Sleepwell. St. <laughs> Patrick's Day is coming up. She and I would usually start drinking about, well, noon, but sometimes earlier. Uh, Sally Sleepwell never knew whether to be a poet or a realist like me, right? Of course, in Ireland, they're the same thing, no problem. In America, there's a big schism. Now, Sally Sleepwell is only half Irish, and the worst half at that, because her dad is from County Kerry. Sally's afraid that she might be only half a poet and half a realist, and the worst half of both. I always just tell her that she's an artist, so much more artist than American. I said, let's drink to the old country, you know, with the whole heart. Let's just tell it like it wasn't. Mm, Sally's never been to Ireland. She's never even been to the land of wrath. Uh, it's the land where those ancient Celts westered to a halt. You know, they hit the, they hit the uh, ocean. They stared out across that Atlantic, slate Atlantic. They were running away from the tribes, the Indo-European tribes. And I asked her, I said, Sally, who drove the Celtic peoples to the sea? They say it was this or that Indo-European group of neo-barbarian linear thinkers. But of course, it was the goddess. Right. They were fleeing. From to the old religion, the great mother, you know, they were trying to save some remnant of their old religion there. You know, you see those little cairns and little huts along the shore in Ireland where few fellas used to hide out and, <laughs> yes, try to remember uh, the great queen, the Morgan. Anyway. Sally got a little muddled, and she drank a little more Irish whiskey, and she held forth. Um, hmm, she said, it's that 5th century saint. She said, it was that patriarch, Patrick. He's the one. He's the one. He drove the snakes out of the garden another time, and 
Then I said, yeah, sure, across the sea to New York. Ah, Patrick's the one. He drove out the serpent of ancient knowledge, the wisdom of woman, woman's knowledge of life and death. In the old world, the ancient world, the uh, pre-patriarchal religion world, back in woman times, there were no illegitimate babies. There was no such thing as a fallen woman. It was the woman, you know, who took the lover, that kind of thing. Uh, She was the initiator. In a pre-Christian world of kith and kin, Whole families married each other. Uh, See, there was this very low fertility rate in Ireland, so I guess that's how they worked it out. It's not really uh, an issue of ideology. Sally snorted. A communal sacred world. That's what it was. And if a kid is legitimate, so is her mom. I filled Sally's glass with a little more whiskey and I stopped trying to get her to listen. The Irish hear everything, but hell, we wouldn't be caught dead listening. I asked, why is it that uh, the Irish admire St. Patrick if he was such a male chauvinist prig? That's just why, she shouted. Patrick didn't go for the old magic. He was into rational order. Today we've still got the rational order and it's full of S because it's based on greed. Here in America, the greed that glitters gluts our lives. Sally is fond of excessive alliteration. Of course, the Irish are and always have been so terribly poor they never did get very rational after all. I mean, they went right on worshipping women. They didn't even burn witches during all those centuries when Europe roasted nine million. Oh, not that they gave real women any political or social power. Uh, (laughs) Not until very recently. I mean, what does a goddess need with political power? Sally reached for the nearly empty bottle. Women are such fools, she weeps. No, she said, men are the fools. Women are damn fools. Sleepwell is a Deirdre of the sorrows when she's in her cups. The pagan priestess, she said, became a whore in her own temple. She gave away her mother right. She profaned the rights of life. There she was, creatrix, matrix. She gave birth to man. She looked at her creation and found him fair. She fell in love with her own creation. She gave him the keys to the car, and that was that. He became the measure of all things, and she became his Madonna or his horror. Sally's right, of course. Last week I was talking to a couple of Irishmen, uh, they come across the seas because, of course, there's another another famine in Ireland. Not quite the same kind, but things are rough over there. Uh, they were sweet guys. One of them told me uh, that there were two sorts of women here in America. There were the mothers and the feminists, one or the other. And the other guy told me, please 
Please don't use coarse language, he said, around his wife. She was not accustomed to hearing uh, women who had uh, <laughs> potty mouths. They were both charming guys. Anyway, uh, it's time for me to get off the air. And I have just one more thing to tell you about Sally Sleepwell. I'm trying to get her to sober up, you know. She has let go of linear thought. Uh, she spun off into the mouth of the gods. Of course, I'm not sure I like to watch women get sloshed. I think it's altogether too masculine, if you ask me. I will be back on the air next week at the same time. This has been Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw. Until then, go easy. And if you can't go easy, go as easy as you can. Drop the shadows out of sight. On the next, making contact. I wasn't happy that our water was good before they started growing. And when I got done, it was bad. At one point, we could actually light on fire. Lighting tap water on fire is apparently not a magic trick. Some people claim it's just one of the gnarly effects that a natural gas drilling method called hydraulic fracturing has on the water supply. So it sounds like the goose that lays the golden egg, but the problem is the public hasn't heard about the problems that have yet to be solved. On this edition, we'll hear excerpts from Gasland, the Oscar-nominated documentary about hydrofracking. In the run-up to the awards, the gas industry even tried to have the film disqualified. That's Making Contact, Friday afternoon at 1.30 on KPFA 94.1 FM. This is Anastasia. Congratulations to all women celebrating the 100th anniversary of International